We've now proven with a couple carriers that we can be a single claims and servicing platform across an entire organization, regardless of product type. And there's just no other platform out there that can do that. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Joining me today is Brent Williams, co-founder and CEO of Benakiva, a configurable SaaS technology platform that transforms the end-to-end claims and servicing experience. Brent's mission is to provide innovation in the insurance industry with a beneficiary-first mindset and digital transformation and claims transformation technology. He's passionate about helping organizations think beneficiary-first with their processes and customer experiences, and his determination and commitment to innovation, customer-centric approaches, and thoughtful leadership of industry-evolving solutions have earned him the reputation as an industry leader. Brent brings more than 18 years of experience in insurance and financial services, consulting to his position, focusing on digital transformation and the insurance world's disruption through customer engagement, experience, and technology. And recently, he's accepted mentorship positions at MIT, Drake University, and the Iowa State Startup Factory, where he advises and guides entrepreneurship students on their entrepreneurial journeys. Brent, welcome to the show. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. Good. Well, I've been looking forward to it. What is the biggest problem Benakiva is solving for its clients? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, you know, prior to Benakiva, I was an investment financial advisor and I worked with many policyholders, carriers, and beneficiaries and worked through the claims process. And I was constantly in this battle of, you know, on one hand, I was constantly apologizing for the archaic processes. <laughs> well, on the other hand, I'm trying to serve and maintain and gain, uh, you know, clients. And mm-hmm. so I thought, gosh, there's got to be a better way to do these claims and servicing processes. You know, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be stuck in this manual uh, paper-driven process. And mm-hmm. You really should be able to do everything from anywhere, anytime, any device. And that's really what sparked the idea for Benakiva. Yeah, that's really great because that, that you know, is... I would say the lowest common denominator among the most successful startups is actually sort of the stumbling into a problem Yeah, <laughs> that, that they need, that, that they realize nobody's solving this problem yet. Right. And actually people need it to be solved. Absolutely. So, so how did you come about coming up with the idea and then actually finding your co-founder? Yeah, so that's it's a great story. First of all, um, originally when I was looking for a solution like Benakiva, I was actually going to buy it. I was going to be the client. I was going to buy it and then offer it to my policyholders and beneficiaries, my clients, as an as an added benefit of working with me. And uh, the the problem was is I couldn't find a solution that solved what I was looking for. I was looking to digitize the claims and servicing processes from intake to payout, everything in between. And there wasn't a solution out there that really uh, 
grabbed me and said, this is a solution I can offer to my Mm -hmm. clients. And so it started me down this, this research path where I did about three years of research. And over that three years, I sat with over a hundred claims and servicing staff Mm -hmm. across the United States and uh, literally took all of their trials, tribulations, pain, struggles, and paired that with all the trials, tribulation, pain, and struggles I have with policyholders and beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. And then I extended that research out to agents, advisors, and other third parties as part of the overall claim process. And so once I went through that three-year process, I really came up with, we came up with this, this idea that we could create a platform that solved the digital customer experience for all parties involved hmm. as it pertains to claims and servicing. And, um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I as an advisor and claim staff, you know, have heard, well, you can certainly take my premium payments really quickly, but you can't give me my... <laughs> I believe I've said that myself. <laughs> you sure don't have any problem taking my money every month. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we said, gosh, we, got, we have to do better. I mean, we have mm-hmm. to provide better. At the end of the day, you know, nobody buys, you know, insurance hoping to use it but gosh when it comes time to use it you expect it to be there you expect it right that could be quick Mm -hmm. and so uh that was our mission from day one (laughs) that's fantastic so how did you come about your co-founders that's an awesome story so one of my clients um i won't mention her name obviously but she was she was a mayor here Mm -hmm. at one of the cities uh in in iowa here and Mm -hmm. she reaches out to me and she says i have this couple that i want you to meet one of them used to work for NASA, the government, Aon, and the other one worked for uh, AIG, PepsiCo, uh, named all these large organizations, mm-hmm. and sure. they were a married couple. Yeah. And so I, naively, I'm thinking she wants to introduce me for me to be their advisor, you know? And so <laughs> we meet here in, in, in Des Moines, and yeah. we go to lunch, and I explain all the, all the features and benefits of why you want to work with me. <laughs> and uh, uh, Sobin, you know, one of our co-founders, mm-hmm. he says, you know, this is this is great. That's great. You got a great advisory practice. He says, but I'm, I'm more interested in the startup you're working on. And so it completely shifted the conversation. And I started explaining, you know, the research and the problems that I face, the mm-hmm. problems beneficiary face and policyholders face. And his wife, Bobby, literally shared a story about mm-hmm her struggles with the claim mm-hmm. process and one of her disability claims and mm-hmm. uh, the fact that they just had a baby and they bought life insurance. And so it really got them both very intrigued in the problem I was solving. Mm-hmm. Now, I knew there's no way I'm going to solve this myself. No yeah. problems ever get solved mm-hmm. by one person. It's That's right. A team of individuals that come together and bring their, what we call in Benakiva, their lane, uh, to mm-hmm. the to the overall solution, and yeah. Sovin says, "I'm very interested in this, and I think I can build it." And so, naively at the time, I was like, ah, "Time out, time out, Sovin. I I don't know if you quite understand what I'm building. I'm building an enterprise level platform that's going to be a core technology in these carriers, and once it's installed, it's there for 50 years. It's it's going to be a big platform." Mm-hmm. And he started sharing some of the projects that he worked on in the past. I'm not going to say them here because some of them are classified. Yeah, <laughs> right. And by the way, classified meant he didn't really tell me, but I might know a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Sure, of course. <laughs> but um, we, we make, let's hope nobody from NASA is listening. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you know, 
it it really opened my eyes and I thought, gosh, well maybe maybe he can build this. Maybe we can build this. Yeah. And then I started asking the question, okay, great. So let's assume we can build this platform. Who are we going to get to deliver the thing? You know? And all of a sudden Bobby pipes up. Just well, right. let me tell you about my background. I've delivered mm-hmm. here, here, here. These and so yeah. it's just almost mm-hmm. like a it's almost a dumb luck. Heaven. <laughs> I say all the time, I'm a big believer. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely one of those times. Mm -hmm. And so we joined together and I said, gosh, I'm ready to go solve this problem. If you guys are ready to go solve this problem, come on as co-founders and let's go do this. And uh, the rest is, as they say, history. It's been a a really fun ride. Now, you know, Sovin and Bobby, they're like, they're like, they're like family to me. They're like mm-hmm. my brothers and sisters. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. I literally have my own room at their house when I go to the North Carolina office. Uh, so it's, it's just been, been wonderful. That's fantastic. So you all officially founded the company in early 2017, correct? Well, we, we started working on the company in 2016, but we okay. actually filed our state papers uh, 2018. So okay. we worked on it a couple years before we even filed our official company. Uh, paper. Okay. And part of that mm-hmm. was back to the research. You know, when we went to carriers and, and they said, oh my gosh, this would be so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they would tell us, go build it and then come see us. Right. Yeah. Well, that's we very common. Build it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we, we launched it, we launched it officially in the marketplace for all carriers uh, yeah. at the beginning of 2019. Okay. Got it. So, so you're obviously privately held. Tell me a little bit about your, um, I mean, have you bootstrapped? Are you venture capitalized? What's your, what's that look like? No, we decided early on that, um, you know, we were going to fund it ourselves through our Mm -hmm. first carrier client. Mm -hmm. Um, and once we saw success there and saw some of the the feedback and the metrics from that Mm -hmm. process, then we would make the decision to go raise capital. And, um, Fortunately for us, our first carrier client loved the platform so much uh, that, you know, the CEO, Steve, calls me to his office and says, how are, you know, we love the platform. We love what you guys are doing. How are you going to fund this? And I said, well, you know, our, invested. we were going to fund it you know, ourselves through you, uh, our first client, and then, right. then go raise capital. And uh, I shared, I said, but Steve, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little different. I'm not going to take the conventional capital raise route where you raise mm-hmm. enough to get you to this stage, raise enough to get you to that stage, you know, the stage gate capital raise process. Mm-hmm. The reason is, is we knew that this, there was going to be some long sales cycles with a, with a platform like this. Sure. Um, and I, I said to Steve, I said, I'm interested in building a business. Now, if you ask founders who, you know, go raise capital here, 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 mm-hmm. ask them what they spend the majority of their time on and it's raising capital. Mm-hmm. So, I can either go raise capital or I can go build a business. Right. I'm interested in building a business. If you're interested in that too, then let's talk about investment because I'm raising the first five years up front. And, uh, and so Steve, you know, of course he's like, well, how much do we need? And, and uh, I put my spreadsheet in front of him, scroll to the fifth year. And he said, you know, we're interested in that. And the rest is, as I say, history. So they came on as a, Minority, your sole financier. Yep, yep. And they've been a wonderful partner. They they've been a wonderful partner on a, a few different occasions. Mm-hmm. When they're a great client, you know, the people that work on the Benikiva project are just mm-hmm. amazing people. We've become great friends um, mm-hmm. beyond just you know Benikiva. 
Um, but then the flip side of that, they've been a wonderful uh, investment partner. They really just let us do our thing. Um, we do quarterly updates with them to kind of mm-hmm. share where we're going, what we're working on. And they just, they just, they just tell us every quarter, keep doing what you're doing. And, <laughs> you know, that allows us to take the stress off of, you know, having to worry about, you know, is there money in the bank and, and those types of mm-hmm. things. We can mm-hmm. truly focus on going and serving carrier clients. And Got it. I've said from day one, if we serve <clears throat> carrier clients and we provide them that, you know, beneficiary first claims mm-hmm. or claims and servicing mm-hmm. process, that Amazon type process, mm-hmm. at some point in the future, the money will come and it's, it's starting to prove to be true. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you able, willing or able to divulge who that is? Yeah. Our first carrier client is a Homesteaders Life Company. Uh, that okay, is so they're, your, they're your investor. That's, that's literally the only client uh, press release you will find of Ben Akiva. Um, our platform is fully white labeled. So we often tell carriers, uh, if we do our jobs correct, no one knows Ben Akiva's involved. It literally looks and feels like the carrier. Like your, like your product. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, Which is fantastic. Yeah. And Why did you choose to do it that way? You know, it's, to me, it's one of those scenarios where um, the customer experience really needs to be owned by the carrier. Yeah. The carrier mm-hmm. is the one that is trying to, you know, build a deeper relationship with their policyholders. Mm-hmm. We believe the carriers can can have that same opportunity and build mm-hmm. that deep relationship with even beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. Right? And we've always said a, a beneficiary first mindset because with the, our our contention on beneficiary is it doesn't matter whether you're the policyholder or a listed beneficiary whatever claim process you're going through you are the beneficiary of that policy from that mm-hmm. carrier. Right. So um, we decided early on that we were going to be a fully white label solution and we need right. to look and feel like the carrier. And mm-hmm. I can't sell to a carrier, hey, we look and feel like you, and then turn around and ask you to put your logo on my website or do a press release. So we just. Yeah, I, I can't say I really disagree with that at all. I mean, I, you know, I've had, it, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of discussion on, I've had lots of discussions on, you know, do you put your clients on your website or don't you? And and I'm of the feeling that I'm not interested in doing that. Yeah. For me, at least it's because, you know, what happens if somebody's competitor comes along? Right. They're like, oh, if they're working with them, I can't hire them too. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it happens. And of course, all these, you know, all these carriers are pretty much, well, I shouldn't say all of them are competitors with each other, but many of them certainly are. Um, and if they believe in what you're doing, uh-huh. And you're giving them what they need. It shouldn't really make. You shouldn't really need to put it on your website, right? Yeah. You know, it, it's it's bragging rights, but <laughs> I get a lot of mixed opinions about it. There's a I, lot. I, I, there's no question. I do. I've heard that as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of people yeah. who truly believe they should be there, and I just I don't know. In my heart, I can't sell them on one thing and then turn around and ask for the opposite on the other side. Yeah. I yeah. just can't do it. So <laughs> how, how did you find that first client? You know, it was, it was, a uh, uh, mutual connections. And mm-hmm. actually I didn't get connected to, to Steve, the CEO. Yeah. Um, this, it, that's another kind of funny story. I was connected to Steve, the outgoing CEO <laughs> and the incoming CEO of Homesteaders was named Steve as well. So, Oy. uh, Steve introduced me to Steve and then the rest is, as they say, history. Right, right, right. Oy. <laughs> Got it. So, so, so since we're talking a little bit about that, tell me a little bit about your 
you know, your sales and marketing strategy or is it outbound? Is it inbound? Is it a combination? What does that look like? Uh, it's definitely a combination now, you know, early mm-hmm. on it was all outbound. Um, yeah. But interesting about Benakiva, you know, while we were, we're working, I was just talking to Bobby this morning, we're working with about 20 carriers mm-hmm. uh, and 10 of those are tier one. So 10 of those are well, the largest in the United Hard States. For, so you know, we've now life and that, those bunch. Yeah. The platform works for small, medium, and even the largest carriers. And That's great. Uh, up until this year, well, this year was the first year we actually hired a sales team. And part of that's wow. because of the research. So I'll explain that here. Mm-hmm. What we found as part of the research when we were when we were looking to build the Benakiva platform, one of the things we kept hearing from carriers was, it's great to have a great product, but A, the product has to be able to do what you say it can do. Because there were a lot of vendors out there telling carriers that our platform does this. And then they sign a big contract, get down the project and find out, well, it only does this and the rest of this needs to be built. And, you know, you carrier, you're funding that bill, right? So that told us we need to build a solution and the solution needs to be built before we offer it in the marketplace. So that's why we did that, mm-hmm. you know, two and a half to three years of what I call silent ninja phase of actually building the platform. Because we didn't want to be that. We didn't want to come to the market and say, we do this and then find out we only do this. So when Ben and Kiva tells you we can do this, then we deliver this. And that was the second piece, was delivery. We heard from vent, from carriers that it's one thing to build a great product, it's another thing to deliver. And oh, sure. for those first two and a half to three years of Benakiva, you know, me and Bobby, we were basically the only sales. We're talking to carriers and we would get referred mm-hmm. to another carrier and, and we just started getting carriers that way. But we didn't have an official sales team. Yeah, Because we spent that first three years focusing very intently on delivering the product, delivering our, our first our first core value of Benakiva is deliver why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once we got to the point where the core team, the core founders, we would ask the question every quarter, are we ready to hire a sales team? And, you know, up until this point, it was... We're almost there. We've got these processes in place. We can we can deliver in this time frame very confidently. We're almost there. And it was the um in so this is yeah, to the end of 2021, it was our last meeting of the year. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. back now. And I asked the question, you know, are we ready to hire higher sales now? Yep. And Bobby, her her words, and you can talk to her to verify this, her words was, We're ready. Go try to break our system. And that told me, okay, great. We got the delivery. We mm-hmm. got the product stable. We've got the delivery stable. Mm-hmm. Now we can hire sales. And so we hired sales uh, this year. And the sales team went live this, in, in June of this year. And I say it was the unleash the hounds because <laughs> um, now we're, we are a mighty but mm-hmm. small sales team. You know, we've got about five, mm-hmm. five almost, or six people in the sales team now. Um, so we're not a huge sales team by any means, but man, we've got some great, we've got some great people on the sales team, some sharp individuals on the sales team. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, yeah. a little bit later on. But um, so who are you, you know, as you said, you and Bobby did, you were really doing the sales for the first, you know, two and a half, three years. Who are you calling into? I mean, it's hard to get in anywhere to sell anybody anything anymore, Right. right. Tell me about your strategy. 
and who and who you were calling into. Yeah, the beginning strategy was a lot of speaking engagements. So yep. in 2019, I actually spoke at about 41 events that year. Whoa. So I was on a plane 41 weeks out of the year. <laughs> and uh, it was really just getting the message of Benakiva out there. Mm-hmm. And we started getting some traction with some of the uh, some of the research groups, you know, the the Navarica, the Foresters, and and those types of companies yeah. that really piqued their interest. And so we started sharing our our story. And mm-hmm. uh, one of those companies was iGroup. And you know, recently iGroup and Novarica merged together. There was mm-hmm. a, a connection there, and they've been wonderful since day one. They're probably the only uh, research organization. Um, well, I would say Ike Group and Forrester, probably the, the two research organizations of New Benakiva from the beginning. Um, and there was a report that was done on standalone claim systems in North America. Mm-hmm. There were about five systems on there. And basically the report was, you know, well, all, all five of these systems have some pros and cons. There wasn't a system that, that, that does everything. And when we did our, our uh, presentation on what Benakiva is, we were asked by them, can we do another report just on Benakiva? And I said, well, sure, you can. But one, we're a startup. We're not going to pay for this report to be done. Um, mm-hmm. My second question is, why do you want to? And they said, well, Benakiva is the only platform we found so far that does intake to payout and everything in between. And I said, uh, well, you know, that's what we said we do. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, they did a separate report on Benakiva. That's fantastic. And you said you spoke at 41, 41 conferences. How did you, you know, was this like pay to play? We, you know, I'll, I'll pay, we have to pay them to let us speak. I know you and I, you and I have very strong feelings about pay to play. Yes. Then that's a completely other subject I'd love to chat, chat about, but yeah, no, I didn't know pay to play, uh, that year. Um, it was clearly leveraging my industry background and, yeah. uh, you know, Bobby's background. We would both just literally, we would both just hound people, uh, <laughs> to put us on stage. And, um, when they really heard our story and our mission, um, it, it mm-hmm. clicked. And, um, and then in 20, the end of 2019, so we started telling that beneficiary first, you know, Amazon type claims experience. Sure. Uh, you know, at, at the end of 2018 and into 2019. And then in 2020, there was a, a research uh, item that came out where it said uh, 67% of carriers are going to look to transform their claims process oh. uh, in, 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 within the next five years. And so, we like to think that we had something to do with that because we were telling everybody <laughs> the you need to change, you need claims transformation. And uh, so then it just, one carrier led to another and then one carrier would talk to another and then we'd start talking to them. And mm-hmm. we, just, we really grew, uh, grew by uh, referrals and just some of these, you yeah. know, conferences that we were speaking at. That's, I will that's say this though, awesome. we were not, expecting to talk to tier one carriers until year three. We, we didn't even expect to have conversations with tier one sized carriers um, until year three. And to have as many carrier, you know, tier one sized carriers as early as we got them is, is pretty phenomenal. But I think that that speaks to the platform. Yeah. Um, and one last question about these, all these conferences you spoke at. Mm-hmm. 
were did they was there any sort of a, a you know, common denominator the types of conferences they were were they you know insure tech conferences were they insurance you know conferences what were they uh we originally they were insure tech type conferences um and then it transitioned into insurance industry type conferences but we mm-hmm. we were very dead set on staying on the life annuity and health side of the industry mm-hmm. and you know that's where we started we started with life claims and then progressed on from there but um that's that's the side of the industry we wanted to play in now if right. you, if you look at the industry as a whole pnc mm-hmm. gets all the they they get, yeah, they all, get all the press they get all the they get all the money. yeah um, yeah and we identified that the claims process on the life annuity and health side had always been a, a like a back burner item it's something we know we need to fix and we need to do yeah. something but it's always a back burner item and mm-hmm. finally we got the industry to look at you know claims is a customer experience issue and Ugh, yeah i mean until you're an advisor and you have uh, an executive come and tell you to move a 10,000 person group because yeah. one of the executives went through the claim process and was not happy. Mm-hmm. You don't understand the claims process is a customer experience issue. Of course and it is. I used to just say up on stage, I used to challenge executives up on stage, go through your own claim process. I That's guarantee right. you, you will make changes afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Is there, what's the competitive nature of the business that you're in? Is there any, are you, you the big dog? What? <laughs> no, we're not the, we're not the big dog yet. Uh, <laughs> there are some other competitors uh, in the marketplace, mm-hmm. but it's, it's one of those things. We're very uh, collaborative. So we know and understand that there are going to be carrier organizations that have invested in a, a competitor's claim system. And, right. And, you know, they don't want to go through the the process of you know yanking one system out. Oh well, yeah, it's, it's, it causes agita. Yeah, so we do that. Yeah, we get that. Um, mm-hmm. We also know and understand that there are portions of the claims value chain that those systems don't do that we do. So mm-hmm. in those cases, we can kind of plug in and help support some of those systems. Got it. Um, but typically, what happens is is once we install the Benakiva platform, um, over time they add the next product. The next product, the next product. Well, every product you add, whatever claim system you were working on before goes away. And, um, you know, we've now proven with with a couple carriers that we can be a single claims and servicing platform across an entire organization, regardless of product type. And love it. There's just no other platform out there that can do that. That's fantastic. What what would you so that would you say that's like the biggest impact you had on the industry, your industry? I would say so far, uh, yeah. yeah, we're, uh, Benny keep is not going anywhere. We're, uh, yeah. we're going, we're going from, we're going to the next level now. Um, you know, we learn a little more with every carrier client and yeah. I'll be honest, when we first launched the Benny platform, it was not perfect. Well, um, you know, no, what else is new that come out <laughs> is, mm-hmm. and every enhancement that we've done to the platform and even still continue that process today mm-hmm. is driven by the carriers. You know, they tell us what they want. Of course, yeah. Features and functions. They tell you what they need. Yeah. And then we right. build it and we put it in their release process. Right. And um, you just you just can't do that from the very, you know, from scratch, right? You can't. And you've got you've got to get you've got to get, you know, whether it's your MVP or your beta version or your first release, whatever that is, uh-huh. you know, it's really a work in progress. 
Yeah, because you you have to get that experience from the carrier. Right. I often say, right. you know, when, when a carrier asks us about can a can a can the Benikiva system do a you know X Y Z product, and mm-hmm. let's say we haven't done that product live in production yet. Our answer has been the same since day one. We believe the platform can process those claims. Mm-hmm. We need the use case from you to prove that out. So mm-hmm. I often tell carriers that you know on a new product, we believe our platform is eighty percent there. We need that other 20% from you because you're the ones processing the claims. You're the ones that have the claim staff, the servicing Mm -hmm. staff, you're working with the beneficiaries, the policyholders. We simply don't have that. The carrier does. So we have Mm -hmm. to get it from the carrier. Got it. Um, You know, as you've mentioned, you know, you're you're focused in on life annuity and health. Uh, Have you considered, I'm just curious, uh, you know, moving into other spaces. Yeah, we definitely have. Uh, like into PNC, <laughs> yeah, for example. We, uh, we have we have a couple of our carriers that have told us that our platform can process PNC claims. Interesting. And it can actually process some specific pain points in the PNC industry, such as subrogation mm. and salvage. Um, right. You know, because we we have on the life side, we have this functionality called subclaim, where we we take an overarching claim and we break it down into subclaims. Mm. And um, on the PNC side, the use case for that is you can take an auto claim and break it down into a subrogation claim and then a salvage. Mm-hmm. Claim. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Our platform can certainly handle that, uh, but we've all we've always said that we're you know for now we're staying pinpoint focused on the life annuity and health side until we get to a point where you know we have to go into PNC. Right. But with that said, we have a couple PNC carriers that have said. Our platform can and will process PNC claims at some point in the future. That's terrific. What would you say are the biggest challenges you're facing within your organization and and even in the industry? Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about the industry first. Um, okay. You know, when I brought on the sales team, and you know, we bring in sales professionals, and they say, "What's the biggest uh, the the biggest rebuttal you get, or the biggest biggest objection you get?" Yeah. And right. I told them, I said, I'm going to answer that question with one word. And that word is belief. When you tell a carrier that the system does intake to pay out. And of course, they don't believe you. <laughs> they simply cannot believe it. Mm-hmm. Tell them that you can connect and get this system live in production in such a short period of time. They simply cannot believe it. Um, and so that's been that's been one of our struggles. And I take that as a struggle, but also an opportunity. Because once we prove that a few times, now while we don't do uh, press releases of carrier clients, we'll certainly right. hand out carrier clients as references. Of course. And I tell yeah. all of our carrier clients, you know, go talk to these companies who are similar to you and you ask them how the Benekiva team is and what the platform does. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've we've been open and transparent about that since day one. Um, now, of course, we got permission from the carriers to do that, obviously, but um, that's been one of our our things internally. Um, what's really interesting about Benakiva is our culture. Uh, every employee in Benakiva has come from personal network. We've used no headhunters. We've used no, you know, we've we haven't posted a mm-hmm. job out there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Every employee comes from personal connections and it's Mm -hmm. created this really tight knit 
family. We call it the Benakiva family. Um, mm-hmm. we, have, we actually have a Slack channel called BKV Life. It's Benakiva Life, where yeah. we share things beyond work stuff. We share, yeah. you know, we've got veterans day to day. So we've got veterans and we share a bunch of veteran items. So, you know, old pictures of uh, mm-hmm. people who were in the service and, and things like that. So we just, we have a really cool culture. Now, here's the struggle with that. We're growing so fast. Yeah, it's exactly that, what's going through my mind as you're telling the story. Yeah, it's got to come. Yeah, that's going to come to a halt at some point. Yeah, and yeah, we we you know we're dreading that day, um, but there is going to come a day when we can't do that because you think right. about it. We we were three employees in 2019. You know, today mm-hmm. we're 90. It's yeah, we've had a lot of growth in it. Yeah, in that's I mean exactly. So so let's talk about that since you're bringing that up, right? You're night you're at 90 yeah. employees. Um, and you, you know, you've, I mean, so, so yes, you've used referral only, but tell me, say a little bit more about the talent strategy, right? Because just because somebody refers somebody doesn't mean they're a fit for you. Correct. And, right. And, and, and by the way, that's still a limited population. It absolutely is. Uh, you know, what, what we often say is, um, you know, one, our Benakiva culture is we don't have, we don't have an eight to five work day. You work, this is the amount of work you need to get done in a week. Yeah, we figure out when to get it done. Right, and we've always had this this idea that good people police good people. Um, mm-hmm. When you have good people on the team, the the bad apples, so to speak, will will be found. Um, yes, and we've had that a couple times. We've had a couple scenarios where that it just wasn't a, a fit for the team, and we you know had to let go a few people, or you know had a, a couple people leave. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're still friends. You know, we still, we're they're, they're still good people or we wouldn't hire them in the first place. It just wasn't a fit with Benikita, mm-hmm. right? And so um, we still remain friends. You know, uh, just in, at ITC, we caught up with a couple that used to be mm-hmm. at Benikita. And of course we hug and we grab coffee and we want to see them successful. They want to see us successful. It's not mm-hmm. this uh, this negative animosity type process. Be- and I think mm-hmm. that's because of our culture. We hire good people and good people mm-hmm. are good people, whether they're here or not. Finish. Our our application or our interview process is such to where one, the person that refers the person in isn't involved in that process. Mm-hmm. And that person can't hire that person. Right. So which is how it should be. Mission has to hire that yeah. person. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's very smart. Uh, what would you say of the the employees you've brought in? What percentage did not work out? We've only lost two. Um, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. And and what were those due to? What was what did you find there, to be there, the issue? I take that back. We lost three. <laughs> okay. Uh, two of them were uh, just weren't the weren't the right fit. One of them left because uh, it not necessarily wasn't the right fit, but she got a wonderful opportunity at another organization. We're still a startup and, you know, sometimes we can't compete with salaries. That's right. Things like that. So while we hate to lose great people to that, I get it. I mean, at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, we tell every employee, do what's best for you. And Mm -hmm. if you have an opportunity that comes to you and we're not in a position to to max that opportunity, then we're going to suggest you go and do it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple of years down the road, we can steal you back. <laughs> well, right. I mean, and that's, you know, and that's part of, I mean, that's, that's the, the reality is startups cannot pay to a, pay, 
cannot afford to pay people what, right. you know, established company can. Yep. And of course that has to be part of your talent strategy is recognizing that. Yep. And, and, you know, and, and clearly to have this many employees and only have lost three, that's impressive. Okay. Yep. So, so it's a very, very small percentage. Yeah. And that says something that you're doing really well, obviously. Um, you know, to your point, as you grow, it's going to become more difficult. But, sure. you know, there are strategies to use that can still help you. Yeah. Right. Such that you're still going to have a very, very low turnover rate. Uh -huh. I mean, every company has it. Yeah. Um, the question is, how do we get it down to below 10%? You're, of course, well below that at this point. <laughs> um, you know, you're in the single digits yeah. and that's, that's fantastic, but it gets harder as you get larger. How do we keep yeah. that down below 10%? And yeah. there are, you know, there are strategies you can put in place and so on to do all that. But you know, that's, that's for another conversation. Yeah. Um, is there any, <laughs> I kind of, I, 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 I feel like there, the answer is going to be yes, but <laughs> is there any outdated advice being disseminated around, uh, in your industry? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. I just, again, I think we could, we could tie this back to the whole belief thing. Um, you know, there's a, there's, I'm, I've often had this, you know, when, when I, when I teach sales at the college level and I used to, I used to start the sales, you know, training classes with, um, everybody's heard the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make right. a drink. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, in sales, it's not our jobs to make them drink. That's right. Our jobs is to make them thirsty. They will drink on their own. And um, <laughs> yeah. there's, if, you, if you go with that mentality of making them thirsty, um, it's really about problem solving for the carrier. Of course. Now, then it comes, crosses over to, you know, there are certain sales people out there that will say a platform does this, this, and this, uh, but then find out that it really doesn't. Now, if they find out that it really doesn't, and that was an honest mistake, it, it's an honest mistake. You didn't know the product well enough. Yeah. But if you know for a fact the platform doesn't do that, but yet you're still selling in the marketplace that it does, uh, mm -hmm. that crosses a line for me. That's, that, mm -hmm. that's a no-no. Um, so we've always had this mentality of being <clears throat> very 100% open, transparent. If you mm -hmm. ask us a question about our platform and it does not do what you're asking us, we will tell you it does not do that yet. Right. But that's a great idea. We can put that in a roadmap because we look at it like this. If that carrier is asking us for that enhancement, then chances are one of our other carriers has that same issue. We just haven't pulled it out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Where where do you see yourself investing in resources, you know, for growth here over the next year? What's that look like? Yeah, I've I've said that given you're growing so quickly. You know? Yeah, I I would say the customer success team is going to be the biggest growing team. Mm -hmm. uh, once we get a carrier into software as a service, um, we're we're Apple model priced. Um, once you're in software as a service, we don't charge extra fees or maintenance fees or change request fees. We don't we don't charge that. Yeah, uh, you have a customer success team that handles those configuration changes yeah. uh, on behalf of the carrier. So yeah, great. Um, as we bring on more and more carriers, that team just inherently has to grow more and more. Mm -hmm. uh, the yeah. dev side of the team, we I think we're pretty set there. We have three separate development teams, and we right. did that very strategically. 
Um, we have an innovation development team that works on product enhancements. So all those roadmap items we get back from the mm-hmm. carrier. We have a separate integration team that works on connecting the platform. And then we have a separate customer success team that works on those configuration and maybe some small uh, items. And we kept those teams separate for a specific reason. You know, when we was doing the research of a technology company, um, I found that once you have some su- success, and I often mm-hmm. say this to our, to our investor, well, well um, growth is a great problem. It's still a problem, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you still have to solve the problem. And a lot of co- technology companies, when they start having some success, they get into the scenario of what I call Rob Peter to pay Paul. Um, you know, you have to take some dev resources from this team and put them on this team because you got to get this customer up and running, mm-hmm. right? Well, once you do that, your innovation, your innovation pipeline slows because you don't have the resource working on the innovation items. Mm-hmm. So what we said is we want to keep those three teams completely separated so that A, we can innovate on the product enhancements, make the product better, mm-hmm. while B, connecting the new clients that are coming on board, while C, serving mm-hmm. the clients that we already have on board. And it's worked mm-hmm. very well for us. Brent is this, is a CEO of uh, a growing company and really the first company that you founded. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the mistakes that you've made and what you've realized as a leader. Oh, adjusted. Gosh. I've made all kinds of mistakes. Yeah, I am. Not, does. I often say to the team, I'm, I'm, I'm the dumb guy in the room. Now, granted, you know, we all have our lanes and I'm certainly very good at my lane. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I don't, you know, refute that at all, but I have made mistakes. Um, you know, the nice thing about a company, our size is we can make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've said from day one that as long as we own those mistakes and we're very transparent and honest mm-hmm. about those mistakes, we can get through it and move forward. Um, mm-hmm. we had er, and, and, you know, an, an early, uh, an early client that we had, we, we made a big mistake. We configured the platform where, um, now luckily it never saw production cause it was caught in testing, but, um, we had where, uh, we, we pointed the the system to a wrong logo, which is a big no no. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah. You know, I mean, it's you're looking at your system, all of a sudden you see somebody else's logo. That that's yeah, right. A that's a problem. And you know, at that time we were so we had less than three carrier clients at that time, and we didn't have the mm. processes in place to catch that. And yeah, sure. So we owned it. We went to the carrier and told them, "Hey, this is what happened." Uh, you know, we didn't have the process in place to handle that. Uh, but now we have this process in place that makes sure that that doesn't happen or can't mm-hmm. happen again. And while the carrier wasn't happy that that occurred, and I certainly wouldn't be happy if I was them as well, right. they understood that we're a small team and we're just mm-hmm. getting started in the industry and we're going to make mistakes. Um, but we owned it. We yeah. we said, this is us. We did this. you know, And... Um, I think that's just the only thing we can do. And that's, that's a, that, that leadership has to come from the top. That has to come from me, Bobby and Sylvan. There's no question. And I think, you know, this, this, I'm really glad you said that it's such an important point of being accountable for your mistakes. Right. And, you know, you, I just can't give it enough um, kudos for any leader. I mean, I've been, I've been right there with you. Yeah. When I did something and and I had to apologize to the CEO, 
And you know what? I made this mistake. You are right. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I'm going to get a fix and it will not happen again. That's all you can do. And we moved right on from there. Yeah. And he was furious. Yeah. And you were probably pained. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to accept the fact that your decision was the wrong one. Yeah. Nobody it's, does. It's horrible. Right? Yeah. You know, it keeps you up at night. Gives you agita. <laughs> <laughs> I also say, if it, you know, leadership at the upper executive level, mm-hmm. if it was that easy, everybody do it. Yeah, right. Do you remember, you remember the old ad a zillion years ago? Cher did for ballets. You know, if it came in a can, everyone had great. Everyone would have a great body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a million years ago. Uh, tell me a little bit about what your day to day looks like as a leader, Brent. Oh my gosh! Um, you know, prior to COVID, there was a lot of travel. Um, yeah. And while there were things I, I disliked about the, a lot of travel, there were things I actually liked about it. Um, we went through COVID and, and actually COVID was an accelerant for us because, mm-hmm. you know, our platform puts carriers in a position where they can do claims and servicing anywhere, anytime, any device for any people right. person involved. And so when the industry had to shift to remote work, we were just, it was a great timing for us. While I hate mm-hmm. You know, the, the United States had to go through or the world had to go through that. Um, it was great timing for us because now we're able to actually prove our platform can do that. And um, there's nothing better than being able to prove that use case out. However, now we're into Zoom land or Teams land. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You, you've probably had it, Carol. Your, your meetings are just back to back to back. There's no break. Mm. You have to, you know, pause your camera and put yourself on your mic on mute so you can run to the restroom or grab a coffee. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. well, I think, I think, uh, you know, productivity is going up because you are able to have more meetings without travel time between and things like that. Um, I think the burnout factor will go up over time as well. So, um, that is one thing that we try to do here at Benakiva. We don't have, um, and like I said, we don't have any set hours. Um, you just get your work done. You get it done on yeah. your time frame. But mm-hmm. you know, if you want to take take a couple hours in the morning and go to a kid's ball game, go do it. I mean, that's, you know, uh, mm-hmm. now it's to the point where I wish Google Calendar, this is a shout out to Google Calendar, I wish they would put automatic five minutes in between each meeting. So, <laughs> so I'm not going to have a little bit of that downtime. But Yeah, well, you know, may- maybe, maybe, you- maybe they'll do it or maybe you'll try a different solution, right? <laughs> So, you know, I, I, there is that, but don't get me started about my feelings about Google (laughs) because all all that free stuff they give us costs a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Costs a lot, not a lot of money. It costs us a lot with in data that they're taking from us. Right. And, and, and selling it or doing whatever they're doing with it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I know on my own calendaring that I use, um, you know, I put, depending on the type of meeting somebody's booking, there is time in between meetings. Yeah. That's great. You know, and because I, because when, you know, if it's back to back to back to back to back, I just like, I, you know, I need to, I need to eat something or like you said, I got, you know, need to, whatever I need to do. Right. And I'm, I, I keep thinking today I'm, I'm, you know, my, my MacBook is coming back from Apple and, you know, I just know I'm going to be in the middle of an interview. Yeah. <laughs> when the doorbell rings and I have to actually sign for it. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it'll they'll, they'll come later in the day after I'm done with all my interviews. Right, right. Anyway, um how do, how do you spend your time when you're not working, Brent? Oh, I love to play golf. 
Um, yeah. you know, I, I built a house here on the golf course and, mm-hmm. um, I actually put a professional golf simulator in my house cause I'm in oh, Iowa. Got, yeah, I've got a bunch of so friends who have months where I can't golf outside, but sure. Fred can golf inside. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I've, I've just said for years when I first learned to play golf, that it's, it's probably the only thing that I do that when I get on the golf course, I think about nothing but golf. I just, just everything else shuts off. Yeah. And yeah, it's important. People need that. They need that. Yes, they do. Sovin, he, he does soccer. He's on this traveling soccer team and, um, you know, Benikiva supports that. And then, and, mm. and that's his thing, you know, Bobby, she likes to work out. She likes to go, uh, you know, walks and things like that. I mean, you just, those are, those types of things are things you just need. Those are me time. You just need to yeah. me time. Yeah. Got it. So, um, you know, considering the fact, you know, we talked a little bit about your, your, you know, rapid growth. If somebody listening to this is thinking, wow, I really love what these guys are doing. I'd love to potentially talk to them about a job. What should they do? Yeah, they can, they, you know, we're a very transparent organization. They can find us on LinkedIn. They can email me. I can get them connected to the right people mm-hmm. organization. Um, you know, we're always looking for good people. Um, you know, and we've even had good people that we've hired that, you know, we didn't necessarily have a spot for them, but we mm-hmm. knew great people. We knew that we'd have a spot for them in the future. And awesome. so we bring them in and just put them on, you know, special projects here and there. Cause at the end of the day, good people will just figure it out. They'll figure out, yes. you know, what they can help with and, and mm-hmm. move that process forward. So that's what we've done. Mm-hmm. So I want to want to mention one more thing that uh, we talked about and when I was saying about the the various uh, programs that you mentorship for one being the Iowa State Startup Factory. Yeah. There's some interesting points about that. Why don't you tell us about that? Oh, those are fun. I I love doing those mentorship. I recently just did the uh the Iowa Tech Stars. I was a mentor mm-hmm. for the Iowa Tech Stars as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. gosh, it's just so fun to work with these young entrepreneurs or even old entrepreneurs. We've got entrepreneurs that have had a career and, and decided finally, you know, my kids are grown They're you know, I've got some time now, you know, my wife will let me do this or, and, and they do it, you know, and yeah. there's some great ideas and some great prod products that are coming. And I think it's, 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 I don't want to say it's, it's, uh, I feel it's necessary for, People like myself, Sovin, Bobby, you know, that have been through those, you know, uh, this mm-hmm. isn't my first rodeo. I've had a few successful companies in the past. Um, and there are things that I can share with these entrepreneurs to say, mm-hmm. you know, my, my grandpa used, my grandpa said it best. My grandpa was one of the, the smartest individuals I've ever met. Um, and he used to say it best. He said, he said, smart people learn from their mistakes. Genius yes. learn from others. And I've always tried to put myself in that. Love that. I don't want. I don't want to necessarily make mistakes. I know I'm gonna. Um, well, yeah. But if I can learn from someone else who's been down that path mm-hmm. and what pitfalls to avoid, what you know turns to avoid, I want. I need to take that in. And I think that's our jobs as founders, um, entrepreneurs, to the entrepreneurial ecosystem, mm-hmm. to give that back to these you know future uh, CEOs and future companies to give that experience back to them. So I know Bobby's very involved in, in North Carolina in mentorship. I'm mm-hmm. very involved here. Sobin gets involved. He's the, he's the, we'll call him the, the Oz, the tech genius mm-hmm. scene, but you know, those tech folks need mentoring too, right? 
And so I think it's very important. But at the end of the day, Carol, to me, I just have a blast doing it. Yeah. I love meeting the people. I love hearing their journey. I love hearing, you know, how they found their problem, their, their, the thing that they want to fix. And they're so passionate about it, just like us. I mean, we were in those shoes too. And whatever I can do to help, it's, I, I love to do that. So I put in my calendar, I block that time. And, you know, mm-hmm. when, when my team sees Iowa Tech Stars or Startup Factory or whatever in my account, they know that's their, that's those organizations' time. I'm not to be bothered. Yeah, that's great. And uh, you had mentioned to me something, a, a tidbit of interesting information about the Iowa State Startup Factory and something about patents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know, and I, I believe this is still true. Maybe it's just Iowa State telling me this, but, <laughs> but uh, from my understanding, Iowa State University owns more United States patents than any other college in the United States. And so when you think mm-hmm. about that from an entrepreneurial lens, yeah, and they have this whole separate curriculum for entrepreneurs, you know, the startup mm-hmm. factory, and then they've got, you know, curriculum at the college level as well. It just it just goes to show you they're very much uh they're they very much want to spark this entrepreneurialism, this innovation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful. Now, other colleges are doing a great job at that as well. You know, we work well, I work with Drake University and actually right. Stopin, he was he's an actually graduate of Drake University. So when that opportunity came, uh, when I got invited to to help mentor in that program, gosh, I can't say no. I mean, it's a, my my co-founder graduated there. So yeah. uh, I think I think the colleges are are starting to do a really good job at understanding that. Yes. Well, you go to college maybe to learn a, a certain uh, career or job. Um, there are some individuals that want more than just a career or job. And, you yeah. know, giving them the avenue or, or at least a taste of that, I think is beneficial for everybody. Well, fantastic. Well, Brent Williams, co founder and CEO of Benakiva, it's been a great conversation. I appreciate your time. Oh, this is awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.